Hey, Take 3 listeners, it is Jordan here, and I first wanted to say that we here at Take 3 know that there are other podcasts you could be listening to during this period of isolation, but we do thank you for choosing ours. Uh, I'm sure that you are well aware of the state of the world at the moment, and there's a lot of what-ifs and unknowns and uh, how-do-I-know-what-to-trust happening right now. And I wanted to offer just a bit of relief before we start this episode. Uh, I am an avid listener of the podcast called This Week in Virology, or TWIV for short. Uh, And if you're looking for a trustworthy source, TWIV releases weekly episodes covering updates with COVID-19. They pride themselves on putting data first and sort of dismantling conspiracy theories if they aren't backed up. And they have a batch of experts from the field every week to deliver current events. Now, the podcast usually focuses on discussing like current events with epidemiology and virology, but over the last few weeks, they've, you know, obviously uh, solely covered the coronavirus. Uh, I trust them to provide the facts and recommendations on how to navigate this difficult time, and you should definitely uh, give them a listen, and you should tell them we sent you. Again, they are This Week in Virology. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're on all major podcast apps, uh, but they're also online at microbe.tv slash twiv. Again, that's microbe.tv slash t-w-i-v. Uh, hope that helps, and uh, now I'll stop talking so you guys can listen to the episode. Thanks for your support, guys. The Disney princesses all kind of have like the same facial structure, and they're all just like different colors and different, or mostly the same color, but I, you know what I mean. <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie podcast. Take one. We've discussed this before, and I think, I don't remember what episode it was brought up, but I know I've spoke a lot about my favorite DreamWorks movies, and I want to know, I don't remember what yours is. I know you're not a fan. I know you're... I, I, I to be honest with you, don't like a single other DreamWorks movie other than the Shrek ones, although I have not seen How to Train Your Dragon. If you could just pick another one besides Shrek, like what Shrek one? 2. Besides any of the Shrek franchise movies, Puss in Boots. No, I don't. I, I genuinely don't like any of them. Like Shrek is a bright light in a very dark space for me. <laughs> like I don't like Madagascar. I don't like Kung Fu Panda. What else is there? A lot of movies that just did never landed. I don't. You know, I probably haven't seen most of them, to be honest with you. All right. So then, for the quick take assignment this this week, I want you to watch either How to Train Your Dragon or Rise of the Guardians. Those are my two favorites. Oh, I've seen Rise of the Guardians. I guess that could be my favorite then. Okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll watch How to Train Your Dragon, sure. You should. You should. It's a good one. And I'm I'm typically not a fan of DreamWorks animated movies either. Um, Megamind is a guilty pleasure of mine. It's it's certainly not a good movie, but it's entertaining. But we're here to talk about Shrek, which is a classic. Yeah. I think. So it kind of took me by surprise. Uh, it came out in 2001. 
So I was nine. We went to see it for my sister's birthday. Really? And yeah, and I went in there and I was probably exposed to more things than a nine-year-old, a typical nine-year-old was. At least in my friend group, I was like the one with the cool parents who like <laughs> let me watch movies. You know what I mean? Like I knew what cuss words were and everything. And not that that's cool, but like. <laughs> you knew cuss words. Like to a nine-year-old, it certainly was. <laughs> When we get in there and there are definite adult references and some mild language and just things I definitely did not expect, a nine-year-old's like, oh, this is really cool. You know what I mean? Like it was an added layer. Like it was – it's a good movie but also like I feel pretty adult right now. This is a cool, you know, adult uh, Shrek movie. And my mom went with us and she loved it too. Really, and to this day, I mean that's a that's a bright spot. Like when it comes to animated movies, when I talk about animated movies with my mom, she hasn't seen a lot of the newer stuff just because we would go on our own to see that kind of thing. And um, I guess animation is not really her vibe. But when we talk about animation, Shrek is a good spot, and then the Pokemon movies are a bad spot. She'd be like, "All they said was their names," and just be like, "Pikachu, Pikachu, Pikachu." <laughs> I. Similar to you, it was like the first time I saw it was years and years and years ago. Uh, and I don't think I caught every single one of the adult references. And I think the last time I saw it, I was still young enough to where I really don't think I understood all of them. And I'm excited to like really understand the movie as a whole. I really, really love the second one. I think the second one's a little bit better than the first one. Oh, yeah. I think the second one is my favorite. Um, I've seen the third one. It's okay. And I've not seen the um, Rumpelstiltskin. Shrek Forever After? Yeah, that one I would, I've not seen. And Puss in Boots I've not seen either. Gotcha. I've seen all of them. And I, I at least when they came out, when each of them came out, I liked all of them. If you could rate them, how would you rate them? So I think most people view Shrek 2 as the top of the pack. Mm-hmm. So I would say maybe Shrek 2, then Shrek 1, then Shrek 4, then Shrek 3. I don't think 3 resonates with me very much. Like, I don't really remember it. I did like Puss in Boots, but I I don't even know where that would fall into. Yeah, I'll have to look into those, but I think I think it would be smart. We don't have to watch the second one. I think the take two will be on just the first one. But I think with take three, it would be smart to watch the first and second one. Or at least the second one as well. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd watch any of them. I mean, again, I remember loving these movies. I'm super into them. I'm really excited about the fact that we're doing this. It's our first animated movie. Um, We've like gotten really close to doing animated movies in the past and then changed our minds last minute to go with something else. But um, we always think we have a plan and then (laughs) it doesn't follow through, it seems. But um, these last couple of movies of season two, I think are pretty set in stone at least in my opinion like i want to do them i'm gonna do my best to make sure that we do them so i forget the second one that we chose oh you know what this isn't even the movie we're supposed to be doing this week (laughs) what is it oh my god we're supposed to do donnie darko first shit oh i don't care okay but i'm just saying are you okay with doing shrek first like yeah no absolutely i'm just saying i was talking about how you know we're sticking to the schedule and now (laughs) i'm thinking about it i'm like oh we were supposed to do donnie darko was supposed to be our next movie but we'll do donnie darko at some point yeah clearly um it shows who is actually 
in charge of this podcast because I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's do Shrek. I'm on Well, I'm I on texted board. you and was like, hey, do you want to watch Shrek? So, yeah. Yeah, I led you astray. I'm sorry. I didn't even question it is my point. It's I'm kind of just like, you could tell me anything. I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So. Day two. I'm a believer. That movie is so great and deserves all of the recognition that it gets even to this day. Hadn't seen it in a long time. Was expecting it to be something that I was like, oh, it had its time in my life. No, I still really like this movie. Uh, one thing I brought up towards the very end that uh, I wrote down, but I said to you was that there's like almost no really like kitty cheesy humor in it. Like literally almost none. Yeah. Maybe there's like some fart jokes, but like aside from that, like it's all pretty much, it still resonates with me and it still made me laugh out loud as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe that says something about, you know, what it takes to make me laugh, but still, I mean, <laughs> I think I don't want to attribute that to one specific person, but what surprised me most about rewatching this was how funny I found Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah. Donkey's character is Steals so goddamn funny. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think it's sort of his comedy and his way of speaking that that just makes it so funny. Yeah, I would like to make like a list and just talk about the iconic things that I still say in my everyday life uh, for take three, <laughs> and most of them are things that Donkey said. I mean, the the that is a nice boulder like that. I say that I love that so much. That is like one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. I feel like I've heard you say, um, you think Shrek is you think Shrek is what you love? Yes. <laughs> I hear you say that all I the time. So <laughs> when you get like hysterical laughing, like you think Shrek is what you love. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. That movie, I have a lot, I have lots of shit written down on a postcard. I just had a blank postcard and I was like, okay, I'm going to write a bunch of stuff down. Well, let's hear it. Okay, so one, <laughs> there's a point in time where it's like a montage, and they just go on a like who can kill animals more creatively <laughs> quest, <laughs> where they're like, oh, let me blow this snake up, let me blow this frog up, and she kills a bird, bird and um, <laughs> they they catch a bunch of bee or bees and or whatever they are in the spider's web, and he eats it all. <laughs> like that's amazing. <laughs> like you can tell that they're meant to be together through how creatively they killed the wildlife in the area. <laughs> right. I think um, that was more to show that, like, like you get the point of all that, right? Yeah. Okay. Wait, what, wait, maybe I don't. Say the point. What is the point? Just sort of, like, how, like, she can relate to him much more than oh, they definitely. would expect just because, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I also think it was um, really cool and clever how they introduced that bird singing back to her as very, like, Snow White but it was very quickly subverted. Uh, I mean, this movie, it is in itself, you know, a huge parody of of all of those stories, but it, right. it does it in a way that you don't see a lot of parodies do where it's like, I don't know, it just, it feels much more intelligent and reverent. It is. It's it's like, it's it's able to be both a good story and a satire. Like yeah. it, it takes every single one of those Disney princess tropes and it completely bashes it in the head yeah and she's not a damsel in distress like you you no. would think that like at the beginning yeah she can't fight a dragon but she's a kick-ass i mean and and as we go forward we see uh fiona is a bad ass like she is she knows kung fu she can defend herself absolutely 
incredible. I absolutely love Shrek, Fiona, and Donkey. They're all incredible characters. They are planning to make another Shrek movie, and I've heard a couple of different things about maybe doing like a reimagining of the first one or telling a different story rather than just kind of building off of these original four, but they do want to keep the same voice cast. So well, I, I would hope so. Um, yeah. I I also, I think after the third one, I was kind of tired of the, the sequels. I think the first two were perfect on their own, but watching this one, I was kind of reminded of how donkey came into this story originally and it made me almost want a backstory of his like who is the woman that brought him yeah. to farquad's nights in the first place how did he learn how to talk like i, I don't know i like it it made me wonder if there was a shrek fairy tale like an ogre fairy tale that exists and maybe he's just a talking character in that like is that something that's in that particular fairy tale, I don't know. You know what? You're right. I genuinely don't know if Shrek is an original creation or based on a fairy tale. I genu- I mean, I would assume he's original, but maybe not. I don't know. Take three. See, I, I know that ogres exist in like – do I call it a fairy tale universe? I don't really know what to call it, but I, I know that that is a mythical creature that exists. Yeah. Whether or not he has his own – fairy tale to go with it or maybe he's the villain of another fairy tale i don't know well you know uh, it's funny three is for so think about how dark a lot because like the, the the tropes that they're going off of aren't the original fairy tales it's the disney they're like this movie yeah. is atta- not not attacking but like attacking the <laughs> uh tropes that uh, these fairy tales have been disneyfied right mm-hmm. so these fairy tales are actually a lot more bleak than obviously Disney portrays. Right. And so maybe there is a fairy tale with a like an evil, scary ogre as the star of it because a lot of fairy tales are really kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that you can even sort of see – like it is, it's a very dulled version of these Disney movies. It's not like these big-eyed um, – cartoon characters that disney is always pumping out that all kind of you know look the same and um the the designs in this are very human like like they're not sort of exaggerated or um caricatured do you know what i mean yeah people say that the disney princesses all kind of have like the same facial structure and they're all just like different colors and different um or mostly the same color but i you know what i mean (laughs) uh a lot of people find that more palatable. And when you have movies where they, they try different things in animation, for some reason they don't seem to do as well. And it's like so – it doesn't make sense to me. Like, So yes, I would agree with you. And I think because of that, a lot of studios don't like to take risks. I feel yeah. like a lot of the Pixar characters look exactly the exactly. same as well. Well, it's, it's um, mostly – I mean I will – I'm not, I don't know. It's hard to say blame, but we're going to blame this part on Disney. Right, right. I, I guess what I, my my point with bringing this up was that like, I guess I appreciate the design. Totally, totally. I guess my point is just that that kind of risk taking, having it look different from what the typical norm was and even still is, mm-hmm. uh, normally doesn't pay off. And it paid off in this movie. I, I will talk about that. I know I know some stuff about the financial and uh, awards about this series, but um, I'll talk more <laughs> about it in, in take three because that's normally the time when I do it. 
but these movies have been successful and uh you know i totally understand them wanting to bring it back like <laughs> this is i mean because it really is it's still like the biggest thing that um dreamworks has i mean sure kung fu panda and and how to train your dragon are successful but like shrek is iconic shrek is it, it, it shrek is love shrek is life oh god <laughs> okay don't google what i just said but do actually <laughs> well so that's sort of my next point that i wanted to bring up was i don't know a lot i feel like a lot of memes and internet cultures start as mockery like it, it, they'll take something that's so stupid and they'll amplify it until it's like cool i feel like that's the general pattern as far as memes and pop internet culture goes am i wrong about that no i don't i don't disagree i mean like i wouldn't say it's like a hard and fast rule but no i totally get where you're coming from i know what you're talking about right so i'm think and i know shrek is huge in the internet zeitgeist like it is yeah. it is enormous and well, it's it, funny that people are able to replicate that animation. Like, I don't know who has that ability, but <laughs> they, people I animate him doing all kinds of shit. I just I wonder if like if it started off as something that was mocking Shrek and watching it again, I'm like, I like it, it. Was it mockery or was it admiration? Like, do people actually love Shrek? Is am I misreading this internet culture? I don't know. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting to look into. Like, it, how do people actually view Shrek? Or is it a is it just now a big joke? Probably to this generation, it is. Well, see, that's the thing. I feel like if you were to ask any millennial about Shrek, they would talk highly of it, or they would say, "Yeah, yeah. I fucking love Shrek. Like, Shrek's amazing." That kind of thing. You know who I'm going to talk to? Who are you going to talk to? Jasper and Cash. They're my cousins, and they are like sixteen or fifteen and. 11 or something like that. They're the reason why uh, Shrexophone is my ringtone. Um, if you have any idea what Shrexophone is, Google that as well or YouTube that as well. Um, but they know that Shrek probably just as much as they know Shrek from the movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I would definitely, I will text them and ask their opinions. I think I might bring in my cousin as well, uh, Jaden. Jaden, yes, I, that's a great idea. Because I know, so he, he has two older brothers. They grew up with Shrek like I grew up with Shrek. Yeah. But I feel like he wasn't born at the height of like when Shrek first came out. So I'd be, I, I'm curious to know if he's even seen it. I don't even know if he's seen the first Shrek or how he feels about it. Or if like he got like internet culture got to him first and now he has this sort of warp. Exactly. This exactly. is interesting. This is a, we'll, we'll have to Yeah, we'll be able to reach out to three. a different generation. This is, yeah, that's actually really cool. <laughs> Um, okay, two more things that I wrote down. Uh, one, I just like the fact that this movie, like it doesn't come off as like sweet because it's it's very irreverent and very uh, funny and doesn't take itself too seriously. But it's very it's like body positive and life affirming and has like oh, yes. all these really beautiful messages Absolutely. Um, about friendship and about true love and just like you nailed it on the head with body image. Like there's this very thin um queen and she kind of sees herself as this terrible ugly beast just as soon as she you know gets ogre fiona is a big girl like plain and simple she's yeah. a big girl and and i think it absolutely explores that struggle and dynamic of a body image i think you're absolutely right you know and and now i'm thinking like 
I just want to put on Shrek 2 because it totally does yes. that same thing. It takes it to like another level. Mm-hmm. I was really – I forgot what movie this happened in, um, but I realized that it's two. I wanted Donkey and Dragon Babies, but that's <laughs> – look at my little mutant babies. <laughs> that's a number two. And that's – I feel like the second one also brings up other very complex issues about coming home with – someone your parents don't really expect and being someone that your parents don't really expect. I think that all four of these movies tackle pretty important subjects. They at least swing. I can't remember if they miss or not. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that two doesn't miss, but um, I think all of them tackle some very uh, interesting subjects, like some adult themes for sure. There are a lot of adult themes and euphemisms in this movie, and I wonder why they did that and i wonder why they wanted to push that boundary so much there's like several swear words and i know they you know reference a donkey and everything like that but yeah during the movie i was just kind of looking at some of the other dreamworks movies out of like the corner of my eye and this isn't actually the first time that dreamworks had had some movies that were a little bit more adult because they did like right ants and yeah um, road to el dorado and and movies that weren't like the uh typical kitty disney-fied movies and again Mm -hmm. i love disney i am a disney fanboy i'm not (laughs) talking poorly about disney uh with anything other than just fair criticism in my opinion this wasn't out of their wheelhouse but Mm -hmm. for it to land so well and to be such a big deal to so many people who are our age when it came out Mm -hmm. it's like bizarre to me yeah um it just seems like a strange risk yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And the last thing that I wanted to say that I wrote down is, can we just talk about, like, for f- maybe 15, 20 minutes, Smash Mouth's <laughs> All-Star was the biggest thing in the entire world. Like, I know, like, there are so many uh, references to that and things that I remember in pop culture and in movies mm-hmm. um, that it's like – I don't know what happened to them. See, I feel like that's an example of, I feel like mocking internet culture. I feel like that, that song in internet culture today is used to mock. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When people uh, reference it now, totally. I think it is not to be respectful. (laughs) Exactly. And I think, I think that's sort of where I assumed the intention for, you know, Shrek being so popular. Like I, I thought that that's, it was similar in that way, but I, f- I feel like it's really not like it, or it shouldn't be at least after having watched it again. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> One last thing. It's a question that I want to ask you. I want to know your opinion on if they changed the ending a bit to be, I don't know if this is too cheesy or too overdone, but I think it was done at a time where it would still be um, impactful. If she kissed Farquaad and then nothing happened. And that was sort of like the way to show that like, oh, he's not your true love kind of thing. Oh, no, I I don't think that that would have been bad. It maybe would have added like a couple of minutes. I mean, she could have kissed him and then uh, he burst through the doors and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that could have been like a a pretty – but I feel like, again, that's (laughs) – you know me and cheesy love stories. I was like, oh, this whole thing of true love and um, 
I don't know. I, I didn't know if that would come off as too cheesy or. I don't think it's but. cheesy. I think someone writing it in a script would have been like, okay, we don't need that because we already we will establish in just a few minutes that Shrek is her true love, and we obviously know. Yeah, that Shrek is her true love, so we don't necessarily need to see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If there was yeah. like any question that maybe she loved him, then I think that part would have been a good addition. But I don't think there was ever a thought in any of our minds that uh, Fiona was meant to be with Farquaad. Well, I mean, of course, it, it would be accompanied by, you know, an adjusting of the ending entirely maybe you know they had a bigger fight and fiona just kind of kisses farquad just to kind of get it over with and i i don't know the specifics of how it would go down but like if it made sense in the story do you think that her kissing farquad with nothing happening would be an interesting move but um yeah no i i definitely the ending would have to be a little bit different for it to not necessarily feel a little redundant but yeah, yeah. Aside from that, yeah, that's a very clever idea. Let me check my postcard and just make sure I didn't write anything else. Obviously, Donkey Steals the Show. Oh, and I wrote it sideways because I ran out of room. This movie holds up. Watch it. If you're an adult, <laughs> I mean, sure, you may have a fond memory of it, but if you haven't seen it in a while, I really still think that you'll enjoy it. The, yeah, I agree. The uh, animation, like compared to today's, like it's clear that it's 19 years old. But, you know, watch the first Toy Story. (laughs) Take three. I just want to preface this take by saying my neighbors are blaring music. I guess I don't know if they're having a cookout or what. I'm not sure what's going on, but they're blaring music. So if you guys faintly in the background hear copywritten music, don't blame it on me. What are they they playing? It better be good. You know, I don't even recognize this song. Do you like these neighbors? I don't know them. Okay. So did you end up watching Shrek 2? Yeah, I did watch Shrek 2. It's as good as I remember it to be as well. Same. It took a little bit longer to get going than I thought, just because like the whole beginning, even like when they get there, they're with the parents, they're at the castle, and they're just kind of fighting the whole time. I'm like, (laughs) I don't remember where this goes. Like, I don't remember exactly like what the next step is. And then the fairy godmother shows up and I'm like, oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. There she is. Yep, yep. I kind of disagree because I feel like I loved every second of this movie. I think I loved the beginning montage where he bursts through the door without even, you know, considering her. And she's just unfazed. And the whole um, aerial part during the montage at the beginning, you know what I'm talking about? The aerial part? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're, yes. And she throws her into the water. That is really funny. That montage has so many references in it i love yeah it. i love uh, it. there's a lord of the rings a spider-man mm-hmm. yeah it made me very happy to see all those and like to understand them because i probably didn't understand them in 2004 you know what i mean i will say this is the first time that i noticed that when she threw ariel back into the water that like the sharks came and attacked her oh do shit that? do they yeah, they, no, like dude, I didn't like, even notice that. That's the funny. sharks like swarm her. Oh, I'm uh, gonna totally like rewatch that. <laughs> I've been trying to think of my favorite movies and the scenes that stand out in those movies, and I feel like there's only one or two really good standout movies in most or standout scenes in most of my favorite movies. But the number of standout, memorable, flawless scenes in Shrek Two. It's incredible. There's the the dinner fight. 
there's uh, the potion factory scenes. There's the the uh, the David Bo- the changes song when he's like going through the the town and stuff, and then the whole I need a hero scene, which is so mind blowingly amazing. Oh, the I need a hero scene is like the thing I remembered when I was yeah. like when she picks out that microphone and everything goes down. There's like the siege on the castle, and yeah, I mean it is th- that is like breathtaking. I will say that the changes scene was kind of ruined for me. I was t- taken out of it because the animation from some of the villagers in, or like, I don't know if they're villagers or kingdom people or whatever, like the <laughs> common people um, is so bad. Like it's I mean, like, I, I know that this was made, that, that movie was made like 16 years ago, but still, I mean, it is rough and it completely took me out of that part of it. Animation has come such a long way that it looks extremely dated. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, it's been so long, like I'm not going to fault it for that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to get started on Shrek 1 or do you have more stuff to talk about with Shrek 2? I just am curious to know some of your favorite scenes from Shrek 2. Because I wrote a couple down that I kind of forgot about, but then I literally was rolling watching this movie again. My favorite scene is the I Need a Hero with her singing. That whole part of the movie is fantastic. I love... Puss in Boots. I love it when you meet Puss in Boots. I love the Puss in Boots yeah. movie. Uh, I forgot how much I love Puss in Boots. Is the Puss in Boots movie good? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's got Humpty Dumpty in it. Interesting. It's, it's really cute. Um, I don't think it's like uh, up to the, the quality of Shrek 1 and 2, but I think it's probably better than Shrek 3 and 4. Maybe I like Shrek 4. So throughout my research, I found that uh, Shrek 3 is the one that everyone hates and Shrek 4 is a little bit above Shrek 3, but it's still not as good as 1 and 2. Well, if you Um, haven't seen Shrek 4, the issue is that what Rumpelstiltskin does in Shrek 4 makes it almost kind of feel like its own thing because it's not. Yeah, it doesn't feel necessarily like reality. But Puss in Boots, the scene where the king goes and gets him, he's like made to be all scary. It's yeah. really funny. And then I like when he finally shows up and he's like, look at him in his little boots. That's <laughs> what I wrote down. That scene, I died. Yeah. I completely forgot he was it was in it. He was like, oh, come on, donkey, look at him in his <laughs> wee little boots. And then his face as he's like bent down and yeah. caressing his face is the funniest goddamn thing ever. It is so <laughs> fucking funny. I also love, I forgot that the Cops parody was in it, like the Knights show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where they use the pepper grinder as pepper spray and the catnip where he's like, uh, that's not mine. <laughs> that's genius. <laughs> and I just, this is such a small detail, but it's so fucking funny. The fact that when, uh, I guess, Gingy, like the big monster, is like attacking the kingdom or whatever. Yeah. He attacks Starbucks. And everyone in that, sorry, Farbucks, and everyone in that Farbucks runs from the one to the one right across the street. And I was like, oh my God, that's so perfect. The, yeah, that is great. This, everything about this movie is so clever and amazing. Okay, it made me just think of that because you were talking about Starbucks. Uh, I think it's like Friar's Fat Boy or something like that. Yep, the yep. Um, My and, diet is ruined. Yes, and he's like, I'll have a medieval meal. She's like, yep. one medieval meal. And, then he, <laughs> I, and it kind of... Like, what's cool about that is that it ties back in in a minute 
because they hand him the, the toy, which is the yep. axe, as the king's getting out of her carriage. He's like, what am I supposed to do about it? She throws in the axe, and she's like, yep. use your imagination. Mm-hmm. Kill him, you know? Yep, like, yep, she yep. doesn't say kill him, but, like, that's what you get from it. I was like, that's actually really clever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, I have a whole section about that and how this whole movie is a comment on, like, the capitalist agenda and social marketing and all that kind of stuff. Shrek 2? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, well, should we start with Shrek 1? Yeah, let's start with Shrek 1. Okay. Yeah, so I've got the numbers like I normally do. I kind of lump in the entire franchise, but here we go. So this movie had a $60 million budget, the first one, and it wound up grossing $484 million worldwide in 2001. So that was actually pretty impressive. Shrek 2 actually nearly doubled that with $928 million. And, you know, yeah. I mean, like Shrek 2 is considered by a lot of people to be the stronger film but a lot of times sequels do better because the first one was good so i think it it had a lot to do with the the strength of the first one and the strength Mm -hmm. of the second one um shrek the third actually settled back to around 800 million and then shrek forever after to the mid 700s but that's still impressive considering that they are the third and fourth entries in a franchise and widely considered to be inferior films (laughs) but even puss in boots made a half a billion dollars so did it really mm -hmm. and that's a spinoff i mean like it has no one from shrek except if i mean forgive me if i'm wrong i don't think there's like any cameos or anything like that i think it's just puss in boots interesting so uh this first movie was directed by andrew adamson Mm-hmm. And uh, he directed the first two Narnia films and Shrek 2. He went on to direct Shrek 2. Uh, you know, like the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, and Prince Caspian. I think I've only seen the first one, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're like, I remember we had to go on a field trip to go see the first one because that's like a big movie in like the Christian religion. Hold up. You took a field trip to the movie theater? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Is that bad or is that lame or or cool? No, that's kind of cool. I, like our y'all had a sailing team, so shut up. I mean, yeah, that was an extracurricular. Our okay, so I've I'm been to your school. Here. It was across from the water. Y'all had a sailing team. Well, that's my okay. So that was you could sign up for the sailing team. It wasn't like a, a just a class field trip, but a lot. I feel like at least once a year in at least one of my classes, all throughout my school career whatever you want to call it it was a trip to the chesapeake to study ocean life like that was our field trip that's cool we didn't didn't, it is cool and i shouldn't be complaining because like that's probably much more yeah much better than we used to go to mcdonald's on field trips that's a lie i'm not kidding my homeroom teacher was a bus driver and he would take us to mcdonald's anybody that was uh in my i think it was my 10th grade homeroom mr Brown would take us to McDonald's in the morning sometimes. We learned about oysters and fucking erosion. And you went to McDonald's? We did. I can't. We learned about that McDouble and Happy Meals and stuff. Anyway, go on about uh, the directors. Okay. Uh, And Vicki Jensen, who is the other director, she actually went on to direct Shark Tale. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) What? Do Do you not remember that one fondly? Not really, no. Though I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know if it holds up still or not. Yeah, it probably doesn't, honestly. (laughs) So this was actually the first film to ever win the Best Animated Feature Oscar. Oh, cool. The Oscars introduced that category the first year. It had three nominees, 
and it won the first one. And Shrek 2 was actually nominated, but it wound up losing to guess what? I don't know what else came out that year. I don't know. The Incredibles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Although it also got nominated for Best Original Song, the Counting Crows song, Accidentally in Love, that, that plays in that montage. That was made for that movie? Yes, it was created specifically for Shrek 2. I thought that was really cool. I know we're back to Shrek 2, but yeah. Well, how perfect is Like, Accidentally in Love, that explains the first movie perfectly. Like, what a perfect song to open up the next movie. That's that's great. Yeah. So it has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is nice. actually the same. This is funny. I, I just compared it to all the movies we've done. It's in 14th place out of all the movies we've done so far. And it's the same as Annihilation, Matrix, and The Lobster. <laughs> I, that makes me happy. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you happen to know what uh, Shrek 2 has on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, so Shrek 2 has an 89%. I mean, like, I would say they're, they're about on par. For some reason, Shrek 2 still, I feel like, is my favorite of the movies. I can't even really quantify why, having just watched them both. Yeah. But um, Shrek the third has a 41%, and then Shrek Forever After has a 58%. So they're both rotten, okay. but yeah. uh, slightly better, like you had said. Nice. This is something that is so obvious now that, you know, I've done my research and I feel like I'm I'm not thrilled that I didn't pick this up. But there's this obsession with Lord Farquaad and perfection. Like the villain of this movie is on a quest for absolute perfection. And he says the word perfection eight times throughout the movie. And the word perfect is said three times in the intro song when you first get to Duloc. Like when you pull that lever and those little puppets sing their song. Uh-huh. And his literal last words before he gets eaten by the dragon is, I will have order. I will have perfection. The intro song is all about how to like behave properly while in Duloc, how to maintain the order and not you know mess anything up. And his intentions with finding a princess, it's not driven by any desire of a romantic relationship. It's sort of more about trying to complete his mission to be like, the perfect king with the perfect kingdom. So you have this like OCD, clean cut guy, and then you have Shrek. He breaks mirrors, he's bathing in mud, he like makes his own candles out of his own earwax, and he farts. And when he finally gets to Duloc, when the Farquaad mascot, he's like taking the the long way through the ropes and stuff, like he's following the rules. And here Shrek comes in as like a literal interpretation of like chaos just walks through the ropes without even, you know, considering the order. So then we have Fiona and she's faced with this choice of like following the path and going with Farquaad or sort of uh, going against her path and quote unquote destiny to go with Shrek. And before she's taken by Farquaad, um, after that night that she revealed herself to Donkey and Shrek got that wrong idea and everything, before all of that, she has this amazing journey with this disgusting being she's catching frogs and snakes and spiders and flies and she's burping in the forest and she's eating like orphaned birds and rotisseried rats um and then we see what orphaned birds i like that i mean like she stole eggs from a bird i don't know yeah she killed their mom and then yeah exactly when like she has all these traits that are so anti for lack of a better term ladylike or anti-disney princess Um, But then we're seeing her getting ready for the wedding with Farquaad after she's taken to like his his kingdom. 
She's sitting alone at the table eating dinner. She has a dress that is tailor-made for her. And you can even see her, like she sees her for the, herself for the first time in the mirror and she like kind of half smiles. But then she, I don't know, she, she just seems so defeated and she has everything at her fingertips and everything that she could ever want, but she still chooses the quote-unquote ugly over this perfect lifestyle. You're so right. Like, that's a really good point. I think that... Did you catch on to Farquaad being so, like, perfect? Am I the only one that missed that? You know what I think I noticed more is that I know the words to that song, and I noticed that it says perfect a lot in that. I don't think I noticed, like, his last words or that it was said so much, but I can totally, like, hear him saying that, and I can also, like, understand the idea of having these two characters be diametrically opposed. Yeah. I think it was it was startling to me because I think the whole like growing up with this movie, I thought he was just a villain. and He was trying to get to an objective. And this whole like personality completely went over my head until I read that. And I just thought that that was interesting. Like he is he's truly striving for perfect. The 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 character that actually grows and changes in this movie isn't Shrek or Farquaad. It's Fiona. Fiona yep. has to decide whether or not she wants to be one or the other. Right. And she's like slated to go in one direction and chooses the other. And she's the one like Shrek doesn't change. Like maybe he loosens up a little bit. Uh, so, but, but Fiona's the one that accepts that her destiny is with Shrek. So I also, this kind of bleeds into the second movie also, but I think that Shrek has an immense character shift throughout both movies. I think he does change in the first movie. I think he starts off completely content with this negative reputation that he has thrust upon him. He doesn't really have a choice in it, but he's at peace with the fact that he is unliked and that he is always yeah. chased by like pitchforks and, and torches and stuff. Like he's accepted his role and finds peace in it and he is happy alone. And we realize later that he's really not happy. And I, I it's funny. I realized as I was writing this down, I heard him, I heard Shrek say, of course I'm not happy. And I realized <laughs> that that wasn't Shrek, that that was fat bastard. I thought that was really, really funny. Um, but he does his best to sort of navigate his situation positively, which we learn when he and donkey are on that cliff. He sort of has this moment with donkey where he's like, yeah, he, you know, they, they have a fight and he's like, uh, this wall is to keep people out. And donkey's like, well, you know, why do you want to keep people out? And he's like, well, because no one likes me and that kind of thing. And you can see that he's really kind of sad about it. And it took someone who is so unapologetically themselves to sort of force that out of him, which is, you know, obviously donkey, but all of this is different when he's faced with, Fiona and Fiona who unbeknownst to Shrek can relate immensely for obvious reasons like you know yeah. she's you know and she on the other hand feels so much shame associated with her identity but both of them together are able to sort of feed off of each other's like blooming con confidence in themselves and they both come to the realization that like being with themselves with each other is more important than like literally anything else and it's that whole concept of like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Like they are better together than they ever would be separated. If Absolutely. that makes sense. Absolutely. You're, you're right. He does let down his wall. Yeah. He realized that, yeah, he, he does want to be around people. And I think he did in the beginning too, but on the cliff that, that conversation with donkey, that's when he kind of like acknowledges it for the first time. 
Yeah, yeah. Someone who has ostracized themselves from everyone because they're afraid to get hurt and thinks everyone hates them, you know, is not going to have an opportunity to be proven wrong unless they let someone in. So, yep, yep. Yeah, Donkey's a saving grace in this movie. <laughs> yeah, for multiple reasons, I think. I mean, he is certainly the funniest character in the film. And, and every one of these, in my opinion, he's fantastic. Yeah. I found some like missed references and other fun trivia stuff if you're interested in hearing. Yeah. Uh, so the if you weren't familiar, the book at the beginning when he's reading from it in the in the outhouse, uh, it's a direct reference to the opening of Sleeping Beauty. Yep, I knew that. Uh, the windmill scene, like when they have to camp out for the night and she takes shelter in the windmill, that's a direct reference to Frankenstein. And the parallels there are obvious. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So this I thought was interesting. Peter Pan and Tinkerbell, they're in the fairy tale line, like when they have to give the fairy tale creatures to the knights. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's giving away Tinkerbell. Like he has Tinkerbell in her little cage and he's giving her off. And so Peter Pan's a super douche. (laughs) (laughs) This is so sad, but so genius in my opinion. So you see the three bears in the beginning and there's the the little baby bear. He's like, this cage is too small. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, which is so adorable and clever. Later, when all the creatures are at Shrek Swamp at nighttime, uh-huh. the mama bear is missing and the baby bear is crying. So you see the papa bear and the baby bear. So where's mama bear? I'll tell you where she is. She is seen later on Farquaad's bedroom floor <gasps> as one of those like bear rug things. Yeah, shit. It's not just a bear. It's a bear with a bow tie on her head. Terrible. But I read somewhere that this is a, there's a theory about this. It's a direct reference to how Disney films always feel the need to kill off like the mother. The, or mom. the oh parental figure. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I think you might have some interesting backstory to this. But the sort of empty Duloc village thing, you know how they go in, they do the intro song with the little puppets but the whole uh i don't know if you could call it a park or like a kingdom it's all empty it's all completely empty uh and it was sort of like a big fuck you to disney it was supposed to sort of reflect a theme park and the intro song sounds very familiar if uh, it's a small world after all exactly exactly and i know there was like a, a feud or some kind of i don't even know what you'd call it between like the directors or producers or something Oh, Can you yeah. <laughs> elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 1994, uh, Michael Eisner was the head at Disney. And his number two actually tragically died. And he had the opportunity to promote Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was a, a producer at the time. And he had worked on a lot of successful films for Disney. And he had expressed interest in being Eisner's now number two. And Michael Eisner famously passed him over for that job. So Katzenberg, like within a year, like six months later, left and created DreamWorks, which is the only studio to ever truly rival Disney Animation's dominance. Uh, And it was a a pretty bad breakup between them. People have even said that Katzenberg made it so they modeled Lord Farquaad after Eisner's look. Like they have their faces are similar. I heard that too. Yeah. And made him look so short because Eisner had infamously made a slur about Katzenberg's height during the fallout. (laughs) I Uh, also heard that's where the inspiration for Farquaad's name came from because it's very close to 
fuckwad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Damn. So they're not real good, but uh, Michael Eisner does not run Disney anymore. Bob Iger does. And that was the best thing that ever happened to Disney. So, well, I mean, arguably, I guess. <laughs> but in my opinion, certainly. Are Eisner and Katzenberg still alive? Yes. Speaking of Jeffrey Katzenberg, he essentially like started DreamWorks and then began development on this movie. Um, <laughs> just to show you how long it it took to be made, Chris Farley was actually cast as Shrek and recorded almost all of his lines. No way. Uh, and he passed away tragically in 1997. This movie came out in 2001. Wow. So uh, I, I included a link to a video that includes some of his dialogue. Uh, I would love to watch that. Yeah, it's really interesting. It noticeably is devoid of a Scottish accent. I wonder why he chose a Scottish accent for Shrek then. So Mike Myers, uh, this was like the sixth time he had done a Scottish accent in movies. So he just enjoys doing a Scottish accent, <laughs> apparently. And um, I think he just thought the character required it. And there's actually an urban legend that Myers' insistence on having that accent wound up costing DreamWorks an additional $4 million in animation changes. Because when you <laughs> change someone's accent, yeah, the way your mouth moves changes. You know what I mean? Dialect is is important to the way i mean your mouth is important to the way that you're able to to speak you know that's wild that's interesting i'm dying to see that video because i i too saw that uh, chris farley was originally supposed to go for the role but uh and i was trying to imagine what that would sound like that'd be a really cool video to watch yeah so i know we talked a little bit about this in uh, i don't remember what take it was but uh i was wondering if shrek was based off of like an actual fairy tale Turns out it wasn't. Uh, it, it is based on a book, but it's the book isn't really about the the Shrek that we like the Shrek story that that we just watched. Um, he is an ogre and he does meet uh, a donkey um, and he does slay a dragon at some point and he does fall in love with like a very ugly princess. But it's not I think those are really the only elements that tie the book with the movie. There's, I'll link this as well. There's a YouTube video of someone who's reading the book, so you can kind of follow along. It's like 10 minutes. It's not very long at all. The, the idea of an ogre has been around for centuries. It's really nothing new. But the story that this was based off of was a book called Shrek by William Stieg, written in 1990. It was published in 1990, so a couple years before this whole story was picked up and didn't Spielberg have like a hand in this as well? Yeah. So Spielberg actually purchased the rights to the book and was, um, going, like had originally planned to make, you know, just a traditionally animated, like hand drawn animation, um, film based on the book. But then, um, John H Williams actually convinced him to take it over to DreamWorks, which was like, literally uh brand new at that time yeah this yeah. is like right amidst the fallout of michael eisner and jeffrey katzenberg jeffrey katzenberg goes and starts dreamworks and then they are brought shrek so just to i'm gonna try and like shift focus a little bit to the second movie and talk a little bit more about i think shrek's development and character and how it relates to fiona's development and character 
So in the beginning of the second movie, I think much like the first movie, we kind of see that they're both very content and happy being alone together. But I think this conflict is sort of expanded to uh, we've accepted ourselves. Can the people that we love accept us as well? And so at first we have, you know, I can love myself. Can the person I love do the same to we can love ourselves. Now can we convince the rest of the world to love us too? And that conflict boiled down is so outstandingly relatable to so many groups of people. It is like one of the most simple concepts, but I think it it, it reaches so many people that it's just, it's perfect for these movies. You're right. And, and this is so obvious, but I want to bring it up anyway, because I think it's just so good and simple and powerful. <laughs> the fact that Fiona is so blatantly woke, she's like, I don't need to be beautiful to love you. And what we've built together is more important than beauty. And you at your ugliest is still beautiful to me. And she's saying that being genuine is so much more important than being beautiful. And there is no better message to young people than that. Mm -hmm. And I think in that way, Fiona is far more superior than I'll say most Disney princesses. I won't say all. But she is boss. I think she always will be. And I think that she is absolutely, without a doubt, one of the greatest, most wholesome characters in cinematic history. I I, <laughs> I don't see a flaw in her. I really don't. Like, yeah. like, maybe in the first one when she's sort of reaching for this dream of perfection and finding her Prince Charming. But very quickly, she shifts focus. Like, I think she learned something throughout her journey. And Again, she, just she grows. This, she learns she does, that this yeah. is not that this is not her destiny that she's actually meant to embrace the side that comes out at nighttime. Agreed. Agreed. I've embraced the side of me that comes out at nighttime. And, um, <laughs> it's worked for me. The last thing I wanted to talk about is how genius basing uh, far, far away on like Hollywood, California was. Yeah. I think it comments on this sort of materialistic, I don't want to say agenda, but like, materialism is so heavily rooted in our society. Like I feel like it's engraved in every single moment of the second movie. So like Fiona's sort of ogre like tendencies where she's like burping and farting and like licking her fingers in the first movie after she catches all those flies, like she obliterates the phrase unladylike. Mm -hmm. And then when the fairy godmother comes in with her original song, like it was written for the movie claiming she's like, I can give you Anything you've ever wanted. I can give you a limo. I can give you a cute chauffeur named Kyle. Uh, you want a gold dress? I have one that was made by mice. And she is basically saying, like, I can make your life better with these things. <laughs> like it's, it's all like, here, let me give you these things. Let me make you look beautiful. And let me get rid of your cellulite. And it, it, the lyric, she's like, with just a wave of my magic wand, your troubles will soon be gone. With a flick of the wrist and in just a flash, you'll land a prince with a ton of cash. Vanish your blemishes, tooth decay, cellulite thighs will fade away. Nip and tuck here and there. Like it's all, it's California. It's it's yeah. like this idea of perfect beauty. And she, as she, she ha, Fiona has to cut the fairy godmother off. She She's like, clearly this is not what I want. And in that moment, Shrek walks in and Fiona smiles. And it's just sort of like, she's like, I don't need all of this materialistic stuff. This is not, you know, this is not for me. And I feel like it's not just a satire of fairy tales. I feel like these movies are a satire of us. 
like obviously the the fairy godmother and far far away it's all just a parody of like everything that that is wrong with hollywood and california immaterialism and i think it's important to talk about how the ruler of the kingdom who is the king is so deeply rooted in the pocket of the big business which is in debt to the fairy godmother yeah who let me remind you runs the largest production of hexes and potions in the whole kingdom according to puts and boots mm-hmm. um i also want to point out that i love i love that they did this when he cries on the the card and that little bubble voice message comes up the voicemail and she's like yeah just stop by our cottage and it shows that little like cottage in the little bubble but then when they get there it's like this huge factory is behind it with like these smoking um towers and stuff i love that they put that in there yeah i just think i love that the fairy godmother she literally embodies being two-faced and fake like she manufactures spells that that coerce people into falling in love and changing their image and they're sort of being brainwashed by this and like she is the origin of superficiality i don't know if that's a word but you get what i mean superficiality i probably it's probably a word it's like of being superficial like yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. all fake it's all completely fake no i totally agree yeah i mean it's a very good point thanks good researching good points you did really these, good i'm impressed thank you these movies are so deep they're so even if they weren't meant to be like even if dreamworks wasn't even trying to make that connection i feel like it says something that even if it was intentional that it still came across that way and it's a reflection of us even if it's a parody of us and real life i don't know yeah it's always fun to like wonder what was purposeful what is a movie reviewer a movie researcher reaching on (laughs) (laughs) and then what you know what are you actually just picking up on i remember I, i had a film appreciation teacher who picked up on so many things that we would just kind of roll our eyes at. Like <laughs> you are reaching. See, I try to feel Cause a lot of times when I go to research, I look up a lot of Reddit threads and discussions. Cause yeah. those are filled with like conspiracy theories and interesting connections and reachers for sure. I try to weed those out, but uh, yeah. no, I think it's always, it's kind of fun, but I don't really think you were reaching on this at all. I think everything really had backing. You could, um, I'm very impressed with this. Good job. Thanks. Good job. I will I will absolutely list all my resources in the description. There's a lot of videos that you should check out. Yes. Um, it's so much these movies are so much more profound than I think they're given credit for. There's one movie specifically that talks about, you know, the king being rooted and indebted to the queen and how like that's so reflective of our government and how rooted it is in business and that kind of thing and it's just really really cool stuff. Even if it wasn't intentional, it's just still really cool to explore. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, so did your cousins get back to you at all? Did you ever reach out to them? No, fuck them. <laughs> I know they're children, but still, assholes didn't respond to me. Did they listen? Cash might. Uh, Jasper's like four years old, so. Too cool for this. He got a, an Xbox for his birthday, and I don't think he's stopped playing it since then. <laughs> he's like, wait, school's canceled? Cool. <laughs> and then just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't blame the kid. Like, I, I talk to Cash pretty regularly, but um, Jasper's just like, I'm going to play Fortnite. Well, I reached out to Jaden, our devoted listener, Jaden. He reached back out to me. Good. Thank you for not being a disappointment, Jaden. <laughs> so I asked him which Shrek movies he'd seen, because I wasn't even sure if he saw all of them or any of them. 
He says, I've probably seen all of them, but I can only remember the first one clearly and the second one pretty clearly. And I think the newest one out of them, I know pretty well. So I said, well, what are your thoughts on the first and second one specifically? He says, I think that they're silly, but I usually get a good laugh out of them. I think it's a cool story. I like Eddie Murphy a lot. I think he's hilarious. So that made them better. I said, that's great. Thank you. And um, then you reached out with some questions and I asked him those as well. I asked him, would you say people in your age group think that these movies are more of a joke or sort of more genuinely funny and enjoyable? And he says, more of a joke for sure. I feel like Shrek is way too much of a meme for the movies to be sought after as good movies is what he says. So I think that confirms that I think that sort of generation probably sees these as more stupid than something to be taken more seriously or academically. I don't know. So that's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, it, it bums me out. But I am glad that it's at least still on their minds, I guess, what in yeah. whatever form. They, um, he's, Shrek still exists yeah. in their universe, <laughs> no matter what capacity. It kind of makes me worried about the new one, though. Like, whenever Shrek 5 comes out, I'm like, is that generation going to be like, nah. Maybe that's the reason why they're making Because I've seen on multiple accounts that the fifth movie, quote-unquote, could be a reimagining of the first one. Maybe whoever, like, the, the makers of Shrek kind of picked up on the fact that it's a meme, and maybe they're incorporating that somehow. That would be hysterical <laughs> to try and relate it to a younger audience who knows but i'm really glad you reached out to him thank you Jaden. that was awesome um, yes thank you for answering my question thank you for being uh one reliable cousin <laughs> shrek actually has his own star on the hollywood walk of fame um which i thought was actually really no kidding <laughs> really neat and I, there's actually a, a video mike myers and antonio banderas were there and they spoke and um, I just thought that was like really sweet that they they gave him like he will forever be on the Walk of Fame. He's iconic. I didn't know that fictional characters had stars on the Walks of Fame or on the. Yeah, the, I would assume fame. like Mickey Mouse does. Hmm. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure who else does, but like if, you know, if Shrek does, I'd, I'd assume that there are probably some Disney characters that do as well. Oh, just one last thing I just wanted to talk about. I'm sorry. This I just thought this was really cool, and I don't think I had, like, watched it and then rewatched it. I probably haven't seen Trek 2 in a, in, a, in a longer time since I've seen Trek 1. Like, it's been a while. Um, I did not notice that when the king goes to the Poison Apple, the bar, and the frog's like, do I know you? Yeah. It's... Oh my God, it's because he's a fucking frog. That there was... are so many, This and I always get, whenever there's a twist, I always get pulled back to what you say about how a good twist should be something that you are, that you can like expect throughout the whole movie. You can and like even, trace back through and see how it affects different. Yeah. Yeah. She, the fairy godmother brings it up. She's like, you know, you, do you want me to take away your heavily ever after? And he's like, yeah. no, of course not. And then when he's right before he meets with the, the fairy godmother and he's in the bedroom with the queen and she's like do you remember our first date it was at the lilies and they were, the lilies were just blooming and like it's it's so obvious if you if you actually know the twist and i just feel like that was integrated so well this oh this movie's so good it's so good like look at all of the plot lines that they're able to to include in in this one movie one might say it's um multi-layered I'm so sick of ending this shit on bad notes, but 
Or I guess we're going to end this one on a bad note, too. Bye, everybody. This is our last episode. I liked that joke. I stopped recording. Hey, everyone. Thank you all for listening to episode 32 of Take 3, a movie podcast. If you like what you've heard, head on over to Take3AMP.com for more episodes. Follow us on all social media at Take3AMP. And leave us a review on Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your continued support and hope everyone is staying safe and healthy during this time. Until next week, thank you for listening.